Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Last Thursday, one of the most anticipated seasons in Major League Baseball history got underway as a new era began with a pitch clock, shift ban, larger bases, and pickoff throw limitations. Every team played on opening day for the first time in 55 years, and the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum commemorated the occasion with its first opening day watch party. Before ESPN's telecast of the Chicago White Sox at the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, the Hall of Fame welcomed back one of its own for a special doubleheader weekend in Cooperstown. Randy Johnson, a member of the class of 2015, who started the second-most season openers as a pitcher, spoke on the eve of a new opening for him. Randy Johnson, storytelling with photographs, opened last Friday with a member's reception at the Fenimore Art Museum. In Johnson's first-ever solo exhibition, he shares 30 large prints from four visits to Africa. In a wide-ranging and introspective Q&A with Bruce Markison, the Hall's digital and outreach learning manager, Johnson put into perspective his latest pilgrimage to the home of baseball. Having 14 uh, opening days uh, was a lot of fun, so today has a great deal of meaning to me uh, in a couple of ways. Being here at Cooperstown for the beginning of uh, the opening of my exhibit, and then obviously with the memories that I have from uh, my career that I had in baseball. Johnson's photography started over 40 years ago and came into focus in college. I think a lot of people think because now I'm retired, they're getting wind of the photography now, uh, so they think that I just started. Uh, But indeed, uh, in high school, I was into photography, and then I studied photojournalism at USC and uh, worked for the college newspaper there, the Daily Trojan, and and, uh, really got kind of immersed into taking photographs, developing film, and seeing the process. While playing baseball and also earning a basketball scholarship at the L.A. Institution, Johnson's photo assignments for the school paper took him away from the playing fields and gyms. Not so much sports, but just like activities that uh, there was going to be an interview with somebody or a story on something. Uh, So they would have me and, you know, there was probably like five or six other, uh, you know, staff photographers. And uh, they would just send me somewhere and I would take a picture and develop it and give it 8 by 10 uh, of the image to the photo editor. And uh, they would run that and I would get my little photo credit on the Daily Trojan. (laughs) And uh, you knew. Like baseball and photography, music is a passion for Johnson. Covering concerts can be tricky with his 6 foot 10 inch frame. However, he managed to shoot three Rock and Roll Hall of Fame bands while at USC. When I go to concerts, uh, you know, there's a little photo pit there, and then you got the fans <laughs> behind you. So a lot of times I'll get recognized, and people will kind of tap me, hey, can you get down a little bit so I can watch this show? <laughs> so I, uh, a lot of times I feel bad for them. So a lot of times I don't even go in the photo pit anymore because I don't want to... Uh, you know, block their or obstruct their view. I'll go on the side of the stage or behind the stage or out in the front. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, one opportunity that, you know, I really was able to course anything in wildlife was the leopard opportunity. But shooting concerts, you know, um, certain bands be, uh, are predictable. 
and, and having the opportunity to shoot uh, multiple shows, you know when they're going to do something. Uh, sometimes you actually catch something uh, by chance, and uh, you know I've been happy to uh, to to have the opportunity to to photo uh, photograph things like that. You know, photograph uh, some of my favorite bands were in the '80s. You uh, two. Uh, I got to photograph them when I was at UC, uh, USC, and then a band called The Clash. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, they were kind of like a punk rock band uh, that came from London, and they were warming up for a band called The Who, that we all know. Wow. Uh, and uh, I photographed them at the, uh, at the LA Coliseum. Johnson regrets that he only had one chance to capture The Clash, and recalls another favorite band. I only photographed them one time, but I would say if I could go back into time, the one thing that I would like to redo would be to photograph that band yeah. more more uh, times than I had uh, just the one previous time. Uh, because I enjoyed their music, and I think when you enjoy something, you tend to enjoy what you're doing more as well. A lot of times, because I'm a big fan of Rush, a lot of times... I would just sit in the pit and not even be taking pictures, just watching and listening, just like the fans. And then I would get carried away doing that, and I felt like, oh, well, I better get going because I'm supposed to be taking some pictures, too. Johnson has befriended musicians, and his work has been featured in Rolling Stone, Spin, and Metal Hammer, which makes sense with the first friend he mentions. Then he discusses a unique opportunity offered to him by Rush's lead vocalist, bassist, and keyboard player. Some of my good friends, uh, you know, I uh, uh, met James Hatfield. He's a singer uh, and lead guitar player for Metallica. I'm good friends with uh, uh, Getty Lee from Rush. Uh, 1990, I met him uh, at my first All-Star game in Wrigley Field, and we've been friends ever since. And uh, their last tour, unfortunately, was in 2015, and he asked me to come out and be their photographer Take as many shows as you want to come out, and you can work with our publicist. And you know, the feather in my hat on that tour was that they used one of my photographs for their CD and DVD package that, that's available to, to the Rush fans out there. So um, opportunities like that, you know, uh, don't come along very often. So I take them very seriously because obviously they're looking for something uh, and sp specific and uh, some professionalism and uh, you know you know it's almost like you know I gotta be good now you know I gotta I just can't be goofing around you know and so uh, having those opportunities I, I've, I've come across a few of those opportunities and uh, you know very fortunate. Johnson's motivation and commitment which made him one of the best hurlers in history have helped him improve his photography. I don't know if I would have made much of a living uh, being a photographer, if that would have been my uh, livelihood. Um, uh, but I do enjoy it. It's a passion. Uh, I try to be good at it, as good as I could possibly be, and I think that's the parallel to baseball. I've never been content with any of my baseball. Um, and I think when I take photographs, I'm always trying to get information and, and insight of uh, what could make a better picture, and obviously opportunity presents better opportunities uh, to, to make a better picture, but not being caught off guard, knowing where you're going to be at, knowing the correct time, and various things like that. And so, 
over time going back to Africa. I'll be doing that uh, this year. Uh, it'll be my fifth time uh, going back there. And I'm going back to uh, a couple of regions that are, are, are highly on display at the uh, gallery. And it's my hopes that I'll be able to better myself with my photography there because maybe it will be the guide that I have. Maybe it will be more of the research that I did this time around. Maybe it will be the opportunity that presents itself that didn't present itself last time. Uh, but uh, it, there, there are some parallels to, to baseball. You know, I, I, I never felt like I left a rock uh, unturned in baseball. I worked extremely hard for the 22 years, and I had to because I was a late bloomer uh, in developing my skills. And when I finally got everything somewhat harnessed, I was about 26, 27 years old, and people say, wow, he really kind of got on fire late in his career, and that's true. Uh, about 27 years old, I really started picking up the pace. I had consistency with my mechanics and was really having fun on top of the world, if you will, uh, with my God-given ability. And, um, and when I started having a taste of the success, I wanted more. Not necessarily the success, but I knew that I, ha I wanted to be better. Uh, and I knew what, I, I wanted to know what will make me better. So then I turned to nutrition and recovery and, and you know, talking to Nolan Ryan, who became a mentor of mine, and Tom House, his pitching coach with the Texas Rangers, uh, kind of going down that road, uh, conditioning and, and all those things, understanding that, you know, in today's game, based on the workload, I probably would have been able to pitch till I was 50, because the workload is half as much as it was when I was pitching, you know. I remember days uh, when I was pitching with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I was throwing 125 pitches and pitching complete games on opening day, and just like my peers were. But in today's game, unfortunately, you know, there's a little bit more uh, um, necessity at looking at pitchers, at preserving their pitch counts and things like that. Uh, but I just, you know, I just went with what I had on any given day and uh, just have always enjoyed pitching. And then when I got out of that, I turned to something that I had the same passion for. In another sports art analogy, Johnson believes shooting different subjects makes him a better photographer, just as playing other sports makes someone a better athlete. Like I said, I was a late bloomer. Hopefully that will be the same thing in my photography. I, I, I enjoy taking pictures. I try to capture moments that you know picture people will enjoy looking at, but no, nowhere have I ever said I'm great at it, nor did I ever say I was great at pitching. I just enjoyed it. I think I let people as they will start tomorrow, judge for themselves. Now, people will come in there and say that, well, I've taken that same photo, and you probably have. <laughs> but for me, it's just enjoy the process of taking the picture, uh, editing it to some extent myself, and then sharing it with people on social media, because a lot of people haven't been to Africa. A lot of people haven't been to Prague. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite places to travel. It's one of the oldest parts in the world. Uh, and what I really get the satisfaction out of is people 
leaving a comment on my Instagram saying, I've never been there before. You inspire me by your photograph. Now I want to go there. Uh, a lot of people will say that in baseball relations, like, I wasn't a big fan until, you know, I saw you pitch in Seattle and that you turned me on to baseball. Well, if I could get a couple of people to say, I've, I've turned you, you've turned me on to photography, that would be great because that's where I'm at in my life now. You know, um, but I just enjoy traveling. There's not a favorite, you know, there's not a, a favorite place that I enjoy going to. Uh, I enjoy shooting all different types of things. I shoot concerts, I shoot travel, I shoot motorsports. I think it was the same uh, that I would tell someone that plays Little League Baseball. It's okay if you want to play basketball, football, you know, ride skateboards and play baseball. All of those things are somehow going to get your physical skills greater and you'll use those skills in other sports then you and then you can contribute them all towards baseball possibly when i played basketball when i was in high school the the skills that you have to have in basketball are different in baseball but but nevertheless they were helpful so i would encourage you know and i always encourage when i talk to groups of parents with their kids playing literally baseball to not let them just play baseball i think they need to be broadened and play other sports to see, and to see uh, and use other parts of their body and condition other parts of their body and meet different people and understand that there's other sports out there. And then when you gravitate back towards baseball or whatever sport that may be, all these other sports that you play will hopefully increase your ability and your agility and all things like that. To see the depth and breadth of his photography portfolio, Follow Johnson on Instagram at rj51photos and the web at rj51photos.com. He and his followers prefer Instagram's immediacy. The only reason I'm on social media is just to uh, show a little bit of baseball uh, of my past and then to show where I'm at, what I'm doing photography-wise. And to me, it's been a hit for uh, in a lot of ways, I think, uh, uh, it's great to be able to uh, interact with baseball fans and photography fans. Um, and that was initially the biggest way of me to show uh, my photography initially. Uh, and then I ended up having a web person design a website for me. Uh, it doesn't get as used. I don't think there's as much traffic. I, I tend not to go to it. I think. Uh, everything in our society now is instantaneous. We want, you know, something out there right away. So I tended to uh, get connected on Instagram, and I was able to show pictures right away and get feedback. And and uh, that has been uh, one of the main reasons I got on social media, just to share my photographs of my travel and and then some baseball uh, things along the way as well to keep the baseball followers uh, continuing to follow. <laughs> Johnson's journey and tools have evolved from print to digital over the decades. Well, I started off with a little film camera when I started taking pictures in high school. Obviously, film was was where everything was at. And then uh, from that, 35 millimeter, I went to a Pentax 6.7, which is a medium format camera. Uh, and I've taken some of my most favorite pictures in Seattle uh, with that camera. Uh, and then, unfortunately, my cameras got a little dusty. Uh, 
after about 93, 94, and I didn't really pick them up too much because uh, I was still trying to find myself in baseball and get a little bit farther along. And, uh, and I suppose there was a time or two where I picked them up along the way, but it wasn't until when I retired in 2009 after my last season there when things went from film to digital and so now I was learning a whole new process, uh, which is a lot of fun, but I still have a film camera and I still enjoy taking pictures with film and, and that's kind of a dying, lost uh, art, if you will, but uh, I still do it. And uh, yeah, I, um, I, I shoot Canon cameras and I have film cameras, 35 millimeters, six, seven, medium format, and several different types of uh, digital cameras. As Johnson's passion transitioned from baseball to photography, the Hall of Fame asked if he would consider a showcase. The effort has come to fruition, thanks to current Hall President Josh Rawich and Jane Forbes Clark, the Hall Board Chair and Fenimore Art Museum Board of Trustees member. I was in the induction class uh, 2015, and the former uh, president of the Hall of Famer, Jeff Idelson, asked, knew that I had uh, a background in photography, asked that if I was interested in doing something in some regards to an exhibit, and at that time, I wasn't really sure if I was prepared to do anything uh, from my personal portfolio, because I didn't, I mean, that was, that was about uh, eight years ago, so I've traveled a lot more since then. Um, so, he suggested maybe doing some artifacts from the museum themselves and do that. And I thought, well, if I did anything for the very first time, I would really like it to be something that I've taken uh, in my travel that, you know, was something that I captured, not put in front of me. And so uh, the initial uh, opportunity, it kind of uh, came and went, and then a few more years had passed, and then um, Jane and Josh asked if I was interested in uh, circling back to that uh, after being to Africa about four times and uh, having a portfolio of work that I felt comfortable uh, picking a number of items out. And so after I was asked, I uh, you know, really concentrated on looking at some of my items and when you got probably around 10,000 pictures of four different trips there, uh, Picking out 30 pictures is a little difficult, but but after viewing the pictures today uh, over at the uh, Fenimore uh, Gallery, I was really pleased to see how everything's come about. So uh, that's how it kind of uh, uh, came about. Johnson shares why taking fewer photos helps him tell a fuller story. Fittingly, his philosophy is a 51-second answer, the number he wore for the Expos, Mariners, Astros, Diamondbacks, and Giants. The love that I really get is, is tra traveling to Africa and, and seeing not only animals, but I go to Ethiopia and traveling to different villages and, and seeing and meeting the people there. And, and uh, sometimes, sometimes you learn more by just putting the camera down and listening to what your translator is saying about the village and the people and the culture and something that I, I, a photograph can't get you. And so sometimes it's important to, over the time that I've been doing this, I understand that sometimes, you know, it's a lot better to listen and maybe take a few less photographs and then you've got some story to go along with the picture than just take all pictures 
and then try to go back and get a storyline for each picture. His patience paid off as he describes how he took one of his favorite photos in the Fenimore exhibit. Outside of the, the people, because you can kind of talk to them through a translator and ask them to do something if, if that's what you want, but animals are unpredictable. You can't tell them to stop, you know, come back, look at me. Uh, I, I will say in, in my favorite picture that I've taken in the exhibit is a leopard and uh, I was having coffee with it in the morning at about six o'clock. It was just me and my driver, and the driver picked me up, and we were off for uh, a sunrise, and he was telling me that he had word uh, the night before that there was a lot of leopards in a certain area, and so we were gonna go to that area. And so, sure enough, we got, got to the area that he had uh, heard and you know it was a uh, kind of like a ravine like a big gully but it was uh, trees on both sides and covered with shrubs so it was kind of a hidden area so you got to kind of kind of wait and see what comes from it and uh, it didn't take long uh, that we uh, drove to one end of the ravine and we uh, he was always he had great eyes uh, saw a leopard up in a tree, so we drove uh, over to it. But at the same time, he saw not only that leopard, but he saw two lions about, I don't know, 20 or 30 yards away from the tree. So we parked in between the lions and the leopard, and he asked if I wanted a cup of coffee, and I said, sure, this is gonna be fun, because neither of them were leaving. The leopard was up in the tree, just kind of sprawled over a limb, and the two lions looked like they were ready to fall asleep. And so I was just having a cup of coffee, and any time I wanted that leopard uh, to look at me, I would just bang on the outside of the car door, and then he would make eye contact with me. And the picture that is featured at my house, also a netter, uh, it's a horizontal picture that's at the museum, uh, and it's actually probably a more intense picture because it's closer to the lion's face. Uh, that's the that's the moment when I was knocking on my car door to get his attention, and so opportunities like that sometimes present itself where the thing is kind of, you know, not going anywhere, and yeah. if you make a little bit of noise, he might give you some eye contact. But that's the only time I've ever been able to coerce an animal to actually work for me for a photograph. But it is one of my most favorite photographs. As Johnson takes photos of places he saw in magazines, he connects that experience to growing up during the A's heyday of the 70s, when his heroes inspired him the way he has inspired future generations. Some of the photos that I have over uh, at the gallery, there's a, a few pictures that I've taken uh, in Ethiopia that uh, it's the first time I've ever been there, and I think all of us can remember picking up a National Geographic magazine when, in the late 60s or the 70s, maybe when I was six or seven years old, and I saw someone on the cover from Ethiopia, the ladies with the rings around their neck or the plates in their lip, and now I'm confronted uh, with the same opportunity, and I, I go, wow, this is amazing. You know, I, I remember seeing this when I was six or seven. You know, the same parallel to baseball is I grew up in the outside of the Bay Area as an Oakland Ace fan, watching Raleigh Fingers and Reggie Jackson and Gene Tennyson and Vita Blue was my baseball pitching hero because he was a left-handed pitcher. 
like a parallel to seeing a National Geographic Ethiopian uh, person on the cover and taking that picture, the parallel of baseball was going as a little league player to Oakland and watching the games and then pitching in Oakland and warming up there and literally kids walking by as I'm warming up to get ready to pitch in the game and I stop everything and I say, that's me, that was me. I was a little leaguer walking by on the track on little league day and I found myself as, as an intimidating pitcher as I've been told, waving to little kids because that was me, you're me, one of you can be a pitcher. And so I thought, you know, I get goosebumps now thinking about that. There's parallels to everything that, a lot of parallels that I've had in life. You know, that was the greatest parallel to baseball in my childhood, growing up as a little kid and going with my father and going there as a Little League player and then playing there many times and having my family there. But the one special time was sitting down by the bullpen stretching, preparing to warm up, and the kids walking by. And I just kind of got, I, I left where I was at, and now I'm over here remembering when I was seven or eight years old. So there's a lot of parallel, just like the photography and having an Ethiopian person in front of me ready to have a picture taken, and I'm remembering that magazine. Before his opening day Q&A at the Hall of Fame, Johnson saw his photos at the Fenimore. He shares his reaction and anxiety on the eve of the exhibit's opening. It blew me away. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think I've been that excited or that nervous. Well, I'm still nervous because tomorrow is the official opening. Uh, obviously, people have seen it. But I think, I think there's no, nobody in this room that I could fool that if I gave up seven runs in a game... There's no way I can sugarcoat that and say, oh, I think it's a great game and convince you of that. Yeah, you're, you're too smart. So what I'm saying is, you know, in baseball, everybody knew when I pitched good and when I pitched bad. Uh, my photography is going to be completely uh, objective, whether you like it or not. And so I'm totally fine with that. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting to hear some feedback. And, and what I've heard so far uh, is is that a lot of people like it and that makes me happy because uh, you know from here it'll be here until mid-September I'd like to think that maybe I would be able to pack it up and and bring it somewhere else that's my hopes uh, and if not then maybe move on to another uh, subject matter and maybe have another um, uh, exhibit of some time uh, and of, of something else, you know, that I've photographed a lot. Uh, it could be Africa again. I'm going there again, and, and I'm going to the three places that a lot of the stuff is on the wall. So maybe all of a sudden I, I uh, capture a lot of pictures that outdo the ones that I have on exhibit now. At the Fenimore members' reception, a humble Johnson compares his playing career to his photography one more time, as he hopes to perfect his lens work the way he literally perfected his pitching. I just wanted to share my work and see what it was like to be able to have this experience. Uh, I parallel it to a lot of my baseball uh, things in life. And so this having this opening uh, exhibit, I kind of parallels to having my first major league start. Uh, the nervousness, 
the not knowing um, in the anticipation. Uh, all of you showed up, and I can't thank you all enough for showing up and showing me support. That means a great deal to me. Um, and so I'm inspired. Um, the one greatest parallel that I have that I got from my family, and it, and it was an attribute for my father that I carried into baseball was don't ever be content with anything you do. And that resonated in baseball and it carried over into my photography in a, in a good way. And how I mean that is I'm not content with any of my baseball games. If I was 40 years old and I pitched my, a perfect game. And there's only been 25 of them. That I Before we go, we'll get back to baseball and how Johnson's work at Hall of Fame inductions reflects the fun he hopes people see in his photography. I've had a few of my teammates be inducted here, uh, King Griffey Jr. Uh, in Seattle, Edgar Martinez. And so, you know, you just take little uh, pictures with... I actually had my real camera with me on induction day. Uh, and I remember I, I have a picture of uh, John Spoltz. Uh, who got inducted in my class, and he, he's bald, but he had a wig on. He, he pulled a wig out from the dais there and uh, put a wig on his head, so I have a picture of that, and so uh, lighter moments like that, and I think that's really sometimes what photography is all about, uh, is capturing moments and being able to share them with other people and uh, being able to make them laugh or whatever, and I think for the most part that's all I've ever tried to really do. Behind only Tom Seaver's 16 opening day starts, Johnson reminisces about one of his 14 season opening starts in 1994, when he believes another Hall of Famer put the hoodoo on his no-no. I always thought it was a great honor to be asked to pitch opening day. When the manager comes up to you at some point towards the end of spring training, you know, it was never a given that I was going to be opening day starter. I always thought when he came to me, it was a great honor. Randy, we want you to be our opening day starter, especially early on. I was a very unproven early in my days uh, in Seattle. And then as time went on, um, you know, having that many opening days, I always thought it was a great honor to, to open up uh, opening day for the team and kind of get us off on the right foot, hopefully. And, um, I, I have a few memories of opening day, one of them being in Jacobs Field, the opening of the Cleveland Indians ballpark, uh, having a no-hitter for seven innings, and uh, Bob Feller still being uh, up with us. And uh, to this day, I believe he's the only living pitcher, or excuse me, not the living pitcher, but the only pitcher at that time to have a no-hitter on opening day. And... Uh, <laughs> In between innings really quickly, I would go up to the clubhouse and he would be talking and it would almost sound like he's trying to jinx me. <laughs> I just thought it was the funniest thing. 
bringing it back to the beginning of the episode, Johnson shares he would have done well as a pitcher with the pitch clock. And as a family man, he appreciates the faster pace of the game. I don't think I would have had a problem. I think I worked rather quickly. I think uh, being focused, doing what you want to do, get the ball. I think it gets you want to be in a good tempo for your defense behind you. You want to work fast. Uh, I, I think if you notice, the hitters will be the ones that step out. They're the ones that want to feel comfortable. They want to feel like they have the upper hand over you. You're the one that's dictating the game. You're the one that nothing can start until you pitch the ball, obviously. So I get the ball, I get my sign, I get on the mound, and I'm in my windup. They want to feel like, well, I need to dig a toe hole a little bit more, you know, make sure my gloves are a little bit tighter. Uh, so I think it more pertains to the hitters uh, than the pitchers. I think the pitchers that are new in the game with maybe about a year, uh, to three years under their belt, I think they're going to adapt to this thing fine. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to bother them at all. I think it's the ones uh, that, you know, and I, I had my share of, of bad games as well, where you start walking around the mound and hoping that, you know, something changes miraculously and, and it just doesn't. So I think the time clock is a good thing. I uh, worked for the Arizona Diamondbacks and I went up to uh, Oregon, Hillsboro. Uh, where we have an A-ball affiliate up there. And I watched three games from the press box, and they had a uh, time clock on the game as well. Uh, a lot of these new rules get incorporated down there to see how they work, and then if they work okay there, the feedback is good. They try it at the major league level. Uh, and after watching three games there with the time clock, uh, the games were two and a half hours, and I think everybody will agree, if you go with your family to a ballpark and you want to watch a game, Two and a half hours is okay, it's not too long, so, but four hours I agree is. Thank you to Johnson, Markazin, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, and the Fenimore Art Museum, which will host Randy Johnson's storytelling with photographs through September 17th. If you need an additional incentive to join the Fenimore, Johnson will give the annual members lecture on Thursday, July 20th, leading into this year's Hall of Fame induction weekend, culminating Sunday, July 23rd, with the enshrinement of Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland. For more information on the Baseball Hall of Fame, go to baseballhall.org, and the Fenimore Art Museum's website is fenimoreartmuseum.org. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes, and find us wherever you get podcasts, including believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.